John. I'm Nick. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to The Archive, our ever-growing library of everything, one hour at a time. I'm excited, uh, incredibly excited to welcome to the squared circle of the archive, uh, returning guest archivist, uh, hero of the comments, and uh, also um, the only person I know that uh, owns Period. a ri- <laughs> who owns a Ripem T-shirt, <laughs> Mike Westfall. Mike Westfall. Yeah. Hello, podcast fans. Mike has joined us uh, for an auspicious occasion. I believe this is the very first time we have ever talked about professional wrestling in the archive. It's never even come up. Oh, wow. Not once. Yeah. We've dabbled in it here and and there, but uh, never a full-on discussion. Uh, So When when you say we've dabbled in it, you mean we have actually professionally wrestled (laughs) on occasion, (laughs) but we've just kept it as a private thing that we don't talk about in public. It's why we don't have any chairs uh, here in the archive, because they've all been used as weapons. There was an incident. Yeah. (laughs) They have been banned from archive side. Yeah, along with the uh, Spanish announce table, um, you you previously you could hear the archive in freeze. Spanish, but uh, now that the oh, no. the table has been smashed, we no longer oh. have the the our archive translators. All right, so I have sort of three things in mind for this discussion, and tonight we are talking about WrestleMania. Uh, the the there's a whole bunch of names for this. Yeah, I know Jim Ross, I think, used to like to call it the granddaddy of them all. Oh, that's good. That's good. The granddaddy of them all. Uh, The the showcase of the immortals. Oh, yeah, that's good. So just to clarify, we're not talking about wrestling or pro wrestling or WWE. We're talking about WrestleMania. Uh, WrestleMania. Yes. I mean, we we may have to uh, entertain some backstory a little bit in order to... a focus for the topic tonight. Yeah. So this is not our, like, a general pro wrestling conversation or even a general WWF slash WWE conversation. This is uh, specific to WrestleMania, which is returning just a few days after we record this. Ah. And hopefully not too far after... Uh, we release it. Um, so if I came here with only the knowledge of the NES game pro wrestling, <laughs> am I in trouble? <laughs> that depends. Do uh, you have a Starman I mask do. that uh, you can wear? That All happened right. to be the only character I could have named off the top of my head. And you've already <laughs> ruined it. I'm, hey, I'm going to be you over here taking Amazon. a nap. <laughs> you guys let me know. There was, uh, speaking of Starman, there was a guy on the local karaoke circuit for a long time who called himself Starman, and he actually had, like, um, the a picture of the character in, like, the back of his van. Really? Like, on the, the other, you know, people <laughs> decorate the windows on their Hold van. Hold on. Hold on. Did he wear Let's the all mask stop here and discuss the, like, 
underground karaoke circuit that goes on in the back of vans in St. Louis that John is attending. <laughs> he also had blue astroturf on the hood of the van. Is it as just I the two of you? Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why I can only remember his name from pro wrestling. Um, Right. Yeah, so this is a conversation focused on WrestleMania, and I thought uh, we might take a look back at the some of the highlights and the origins of WrestleMania's past. Um, I believe that Mike has a unique perspective among us to share, having uh, previously actually attended a WrestleMania. Is that correct? I've attended three WrestleMania. Three Whoa. WrestleMania. Uh, I went to three. Um, it's been to Florida three times, twice in Orlando, and then once in Miami I went down. So the first time I went was 2008. It was in Orlando. Uh, that was uh, WrestleMania 24. And then four years later, it was in Miami. And that was the one with John Cena and The Rock. And then last year, it came back to Orlando. So I went again. Awesome. That's incredible. Yeah, so and- you are the the perfect uh, person to provide that firsthand uh, experience. Well, you say that, but the the truth is, and I, I don't want to say behind the scenes stuff, but we did have John Cena scheduled to be here today <laughs> with us, but unfortunately he had to cancel because he was on Chris Hardwick's podcast, and uh, oh. so yeah, we we went with our backup. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike. <laughs> I've attended three WrestleManias. I've actually wrestled in zero of them. Oh. <laughs> Yet, if that changes some of the conversation, I apologize. <laughs> Oh, see, I I that I didn't know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, we'll we'll talk about those things, and then uh, I would be interested in getting maybe some predictions or speculation about WrestleMania 34. 34 is that the? Uh, yes, yes, this is 34. That is going to take place in New Orleans, just days from now. Um, and as usual, uh, I think there's a lot of, um, conversation online about what may or may not happen. And most people seem to definitively believe one thing or another and, uh, are not allowing for the possibility of any variation in that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that sounds about right. Yeah. I largely avoid a lot of that. Yeah, I, I, so I guess maybe this is a good point to talk a little bit about uh, where each of us come at this topic. Um, I tend to get very, very into wrestling for brief periods of time and then drop off completely. So I grew up with it, was really into it until probably about 91 or 92, and then really didn't watch it at all until 1998 or so, and then watched it aggressively like every night there was one point where i think you could actually watch a wrestling television show every Every night night of of the the week week. yeah Yeah. um, between the various Mm -hmm. uh companies so am i wrong to assume that um it mike maybe you can fill us in here but does that kind of um were this both like peaks overall for wrestling like because it seemed like it went out of style for a bit in the nineties. And then all of a sudden all my friends were into it around when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that accurate? Is it, has it had its ebbs and flows along with John? It has, uh, that, that part in the late nineties is what is known as the attitude era. Right. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
where, where they could say dirty words on TV and and flip people off and drink beers on the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my interest kind of uh, peaked around then, and kind of tr- I trickled out of it around like two thousand one, two thousand two, and then really didn't pay almost any attention until probably around two thousand fourteen or so. Um, during what I think, I guess, has been referred to as the reality era, which may still be ongoing. I don't know how yes. those eras are. Uh, it is still ongoing. That's what's going on right um, now. With uh, CM Punk kind of leading the way. And then once CM Punk right. was no longer in the company, I kind of tuned out too. But I've, I've recently gotten back into it, at least enough to uh, poke my head into the, um, the main event um, circuit and see what's going on. Uh, at least so I have a general uh, notion. And I am looking forward to watching uh, WrestleMania this weekend. Mike, what's your wrestling backstory? It's very similar to John's where uh, I was into it uh, through most of the late 80s and early 90s. And then I kind of dropped off, got back into it right around that same time period, around 98 to about 2000. Then I dropped off again, probably even a little earlier than John did. Mm. And then... That first WrestleMania that was in Orlando, a bunch of my friends from around the country were coming down. This was the first, that was the first year that I was living in Florida. So a bunch of friends were coming down and I decided I'd join them. And I brought my now wife who went and she said, you know what? I'm good from now on. So I don't need to go to any more of these or watch any more of these. But then I found a group of friends who were actually really into it. And then a lot of the, a lot of the wrestling personalities kind of keep a home base here in, in around Tampa and Orlando. Uh, WWE actually has a performance center in Orlando now, and that's where they train a lot of their up-and-coming stars. So apparently I know a few people who know another few people, so they'll get kind of tickets to shows and things. So I'll tag along when I can. Uh, it's It's been not as frequently as it has lately, but... That's fine, but uh, every year we'll pro- we'll still get around and and watch WrestleMania together. So, and the Royal Rumble that that one's my favorite. Royal Rumble's my favorite because you got a whole bunch of there are more surprises. You're you're not sure who's going to be returning, who's going to make a surprise entrance, and uh, it, it's a little more fun. But it's still a big deal. Now, yeah, uh, for you know listeners who might not know, not me. Uh, <laughs> Tell me what a Royal Rumble is. Is that like when they have like 30 people in the ring at one time or is that something else? Right. But the way, yeah, that, uh, that's a typical, it's what you call a battle Royal. And the idea is you get a whole bunch of people in the ring at once. You have to throw them over the top rope and onto the floor. And then the last person in the ring wins something. Okay. Uh, in this case, it's a, a title shot of WrestleMania. The way the Royal Rumble is differently is that you start with two people and then, Every minute and a half, someone else comes in, and they're part of it. And so you get that's how you go through the 30. Instead of everybody starting at once, they kind of gradually come in together. Wait, is, so is that's it really the 30? surprise element. It's like, yeah. who's coming out next? Yeah, yeah. There's like this element of suspense uh, continuously, but then you also have like the added drama of like storylines that might be colliding in the middle of this. It's one of the rare times, I think, where right. they kind of um, have an opportunity to shake up existing storylines or add like kind of new layers where it doesn't seem entirely contrived. You know, it can just kind of happen organically Mm -hmm. um, just by the way that people either team up or kind of turn on each other 
in the pursuit of uh, the Royal Rumble uh, victory. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that that the the Royal Rumble kind of kicks off the WrestleMania season or the road to WrestleMania um, in every January, and then in the spring, usually end of March uh, or beginning of April is when uh, WrestleMania takes place. But I think, if I remember correctly, um, it that that's unless uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin sees his shadow and then it falls <laughs> eight weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, then it skips a year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe uh, maybe that's a good uh, uh, point at which we can shift and start talking about the history. 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 Which um, I so I sort of came at this from a couple of different angles. Um, I I think I I witnessed either live or on video shortly thereafter, the first eight, possibly nine WrestleManias. Um, but I, it's been so long since I'd seen them and really kind of uh, uh, checked in on my recollections that I um, I went back and, and looked at some of the uh, highlights and like kind of interesting facts related to those. So... This may be a very brief history uh, focused on the early <laughs> WrestleManias, but I think after like WrestleMania 10, it starts to get like a little bit uh, muddy and disinteresting until you get into that Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, era. Um, but so, yeah. WrestleMania 1, uh, March 31st, 1985, uh, first event of its kind and a uh, gamble of sorts for the uh, burgeoning, at the time, World Wrestling Federation. So this is where I guess we need a little bit of background on wrestling in general. Uh, up until the 80s, pro wrestling was kind of a regional phenomenon with uh, companies uh, in various pockets of the United States setting up their own federations. Um, and they would have their own talent who was kind of licensed to them um, and very seldom did like the talent kind of cross over into other regions. Like they might do visiting spots, right. but you were sort of beholden to your own um, contract. Yeah, yeah. And in your own territory. Um, and then Vince McMahon Jr. Uh, sort of took over the reins from Vince McMahon Sr., who had run, um, was it called World Wrestling Federation at the time when it was just the Northeast area? Do you know, Mike? I'm not sure when the name switched, but uh, in the in the 60s and 70s, it was the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Okay, okay. So three W's. Hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that. Why didn't they go back to that when uh, the World Wildlife Federation? Is that what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's a really good, uh, really good question. I guess it might have to do with the idea of them trying to broaden the brand identity a I little bit so. and kind of move beyond just the wrestling side of mm -hmm. it. Um, but so Vince McMahon Jr. takes over the company business and uh, for whatever reason, most likely greed, probably a little bit of hubris um, or what he might call chutzpah. So real fast, the Vince McMahon that I have in my head, is that junior or senior? That's junior. That is junior. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, I believe Vince McMahon Sr. was... 
um, either seldom or even never he wasn't in front face. of the camera. Yeah. yeah, he was strictly an owner and background guy. Uh, but Vince right. McMahon uh, is a showman and seemingly has always been he something of a showman. Quite a showman. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. he, he's kind of the embodiment of the WWE. And oh, yeah. everything that happens is really either directly or uh, spiritually, I think, an extension of Vince McMahon. Even today, he is for their main shows. He's he's backstage, kind of really calling the shots and making those final decisions. Um, and from what I understand, that's part of the control freak in him. So WrestleMania was Vince McMahon's idea, um, and it was brought about as kind of a way. Uh, he's sort of obsessed with legitimacy and proving uh, wrestling as. Um, uh, kind of more than the sideshow attraction that it was for many years. Um, and WrestleMania was, I think, kind of part of his grand plan for making that happen by merging wrestling with uh, pop culture at the time and really getting uh, wrestling out there as like a um, part of the cultural zeitgeist mm-hmm. of the day. And, um, so when I when I looked into this, I guess he had actually had some previous collaborations with MTV leading into WrestleMania. He had done a couple of shows that I guess were broadcast on MTV. Um, and uh, from that, launched this WrestleMania idea. And there are varying uh, uh, stories about this, but uh, he apparently told everyone in the locker room that it was a make-or-break proposition, that like they had put so much money into it that if it didn't work... If it wasn't successful, the company was probably going to go under. Um, whether or not that's true, uh, I guess, is incidental because it was hugely successful, um, though not without uh, some of its uh, challenges. Real fast, was that pay-per-view? Or did pay-per-view exist at the time, or was that just... Um... Yes, this would have been... This was all pay-per-view. So even back in the 80s when it started... Uh, and still today, um, you're either watching it on pay-per-view or you're subscribing to the WWE Network, which now exists, it's, and it's just their streaming service where you can find everything. Okay. And I guess people felt that it delivered because it was... Uh, I don't believe there was ever any question after the first one that there would be a second one. And and this is where my, my memory gets a little hazy. I don't believe that I watched the original WrestleMania live. I don't think I saw any of them live until maybe the fourth or fifth one. Yeah, I did not either. The first one I saw live, I believe, was five. Yeah, that so probably tracks that with me, too. Nine. Give okay. me some context. The first one, is that like Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant? Is that that era? Yeah. Okay. Mm, so that was... That's that era. That's not that match. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This was, I think, WrestleMania was a couple of months after Hulk Hogan won the championship for the first time. Or was it a year uh, after? That it? sounds about right. Yeah, it was, so it was shortly after he. So the the main event of WrestleMania one is Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Oh, versus yes, versus <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff in just a regular tag team match. But this was the main event, and that was kind of this was the start of of what's called the Rock and Wrestling era, where Vince McMahon is bringing in these personalities from other. Some of the genres of entertainment, like Mr. T, Cindy so, Lauper, um, accompanied someone yeah. to the Wait, ring. Oh, yeah, on, she was a on. real big deal. Um, and you'll see. Wait, what was uh, Cindy Lauper's place in this? 
What's that? Her, what was uh, she was what's called a valet, and she would accompany. She accompanied Wendy Richter to the ring for a women's championship match, which she eventually won. Awesome. Yeah, she was also closely affiliated with uh, Captain Lou Albano. I I don't remember where that started. If it started around WrestleMania or if it predated that. Um, I think it predated it, but not for too long. I think this was part of the whole pre-WrestleMania MTV thing that they okay yeah that got makes together sense. because uh, Captain Lou was also in uh, the Goonies music video. Yes, a whole bunch what? of wrestlers are in the Goonies music video. I don't remember that. Yeah, we will. We'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. That is an amazing music video. <laughs> Uh, Nikolai Volkov uh, milking a fiberglass cow in the back of a truck is one of the greatest things I have ever seen. Okay, I clearly have not seen this video because I think I should remember that. Yeah, it has yes. nothing to do with the movie The Goonies at all. It's just, yeah, we can put that in a video. Yeah. Crazy. It's incredible. Uh, your uncle's in it too, Stevie. <gasps> yeah. Really? Yeah. He has a cameo <laughs> appearance. He never told me. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that, that was the era when Hulk Hogan is starting to become, um, a kind of a big sensation like nationwide, which was the goal, I think, or one of the goals of WrestleMania was putting the WWF out there nationwide as like the, the brand of wrestling, um, and, and creating these superstars, uh, that were recognized names. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember some of the other matches that were in that one. There were like the, the big stars of that era were all in WrestleMania. Um, the first WrestleMania. Um, I can't think of too many exclusions, but, um, I know Andre the giant was at that first one, but his was a, a body slam competition. That's right. With big John stud with big John stud for $15,000. Yes. Yeah. Andre won and then started throwing the money out into the crowd. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. At the behest of Big John Stunn's manager, Bobby Heenan, who who died just last year. Sadly. Yeah. Bobby Heenan, uh, also a big... Bobby the Brain Heenan. He was, he was a very popular manager. He was like a heel manager of all the bad guys. And he would do a lot of the talking for some of the, these heel characters who were kind of kind of monster characters who didn't have a lot to say but he would do all the talking for them so yeah wrestlemania i i don't remember if i don't think i knew about it when it happened but i think i started to get into wrestling right around wrestlemania 2 at which point the first one was available on video again uh control freak vince mcmahon it was his own video label um and now I can't remember what it was called. It was like Colossal Video or Coliseum Video. Coliseum Video, yeah, yeah. Uh, so all of these pay-per-view things would they would be aired first exclusively on pay-per-view, and then a few months later they would be released on Coliseum Video. And if I remember correctly, they were kind of priced differently than a lot of VHS tapes. They weren't quite the same high price that most rental tapes were, but they weren't like inexpensive either they mm. were like somewhere if a normal video cost a video store like a hundred dollars um one of these videos would be like sixty dollars or something but it was like enough high enough that you could never ever hope to like actually own one of these you know, tapes yeah um but they were like well 
<laughs> not an original. Yeah, this yeah. was the mid '80s, and people figured out how to create copies of VHS, and so this is uh, the the dawn of tape trading. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my friends now, who I who I know as an adult, who were into wrestling back then, were part of this tape trading, and they would do that kind of locally with who they knew in their area, and then. With the dawn of the internet, that broadened even more. Yeah, it's a the. I think the uh, WWE network partially exists to try to um, combat that widespread um, yeah. kind of user sharing of stuff. Yes, you know, it's it's kind of like it, its own highlight reel. Um, but I definitely I remember. Um, I had a copy of the first WrestleMania that I'm pretty sure my dad um, acquired <laughs> uh, through illicit means. Um, <laughs> but I I don't know if we... Did he get it from Starman's van? <laughs> <laughs> he must have. I don't know where else he would have gotten it locally. Um so I, but I remember uh, getting really into it around WrestleMania two, which changed up the format a little bit um, in a way that I think is interesting, but I guess wasn't necessarily successful because they've never uh, tried to uh, bring that model back. Oh, that's when they then. had the dance off. <laughs> <laughs> Did they have a dance off? Yeah. I mean, they, they probably no. came close. Uh, I think a so. lot of the, uh, initial appeal of WrestleMania, and I guess still some of the uh, appeal today is the celebrity associations that were drawn into the show. I think Liberace was uh, on the first one. Yes. Really? Uh, yeah. Like, he uh, he opened it. Um, there's there, there was a pattern. I don't know if they, they still do this or not, but they would have, like, a, a celebrity musical guest and, like, a celebrity ring announcer or a celebrity uh, referee pretty much at every... WrestleMania, mm. there would be some guest appearance by a, a celebrity of the right. day. Yeah, and in those early ones, they even had would have a celebrity timekeeper who would just come down the ramp, ring the bell to start and end the match, and that's it. Uh, they don't really do that one so much anymore, anymore, but every WrestleMania opens with a performance of America the Beautiful by some popular musician. Uh and that still happens. And then you'll still see the celebrities kind of peppered in where they can fit them, really. Yeah. I have I have here in uh, my notes that um, WrestleMania 2, it, it took place in three locations. Um, they, they filmed or uh, held part of it in uh, New York, part of it in Chicago, and part of it in L.A. And they would cut back and forth between the different locations, mm. um, which I think uh, I, I, I think is a really interesting way to go about it. Um, but again, they they never they never did that again. Um, so I guess it must not have been successful. But and it also it um, loses the um, spectacle and the um, uh, the urgency and immediacy of being there in the live venue which becomes like a really big deal uh, with the third one when they tried to set an indoor attendance record um and i think they did at wrestlemania 3 yeah that stood for a long time yeah that was at the pontiac silverdome 
in uh, Michigan. And this, uh, just a little anecdote that I found out, apparently Vince McMahon was so uh, dead set on uh, breaking that indoor attendance record that he blacked out the pay-per-view uh, and closed circuit television broadcast of WrestleMania in the state of Michigan. Wow. So like if oh, the, whole state. the entire state, yeah. Um, okay. So if, if you wanted to watch it, you had to go to it. And there was apparently a lot of, it's uh, kind of a dick move. It's, it's a hugely dick move. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, <laughs> in keeping with Vince McMahon, yeah. uh, that's a pattern that you're going to discover. <laughs> <laughs> and it was successful. Like he, he oh, broke yeah. the attendance record. Any idea what the attendance record was before that? Uh, I don't know. I think it was 93,000 something. I think those numbers are a little bit inflated, but they'll say, well, you know, all of these people who were working the venue counted <laughs> people in the building. Right, oh, okay. right. So they, they play that little game. I, I thought you were saying, like, inflation, like, people in the 80s were worth less than people today. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I follow, okay. Do you know who, like, what concert or whatever took that record? Had the previous yeah. record? I don't know that. I don't. I know that it was broken by another WrestleMania uh, two years ago in, in uh, not Dallas, Arlington, Texas, but the, the Cowboy Stadium. Okay. Do you know what that record is? That is 101,000 something. Wow. So that WrestleMania three was like the, I, if I was getting into WrestleMania when the second one happened, I was absolutely obsessed by the time WrestleMania three came around. And I think that was by design. Um, because WrestleMania three was the meeting of Hulk Hogan and, uh, a recently, uh, heel turned Andre the giant, um, in what, and, and this also becomes a pattern. I think, uh, Vince McMahon likes to break young boys hearts, um, <laughs> whenever possible. Um, and, uh, I distinctly recall the buildup to that WrestleMania. There was a Saturday night's main event. Um, yes. No, no, it was uh, maybe it was just the Sunday morning show, but it was uh, Piper's Pit, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, Andre the Giant, who up until this time had for years been like Hulk Hogan's quote unquote best friend, or oh. at least a very you know close association. And they played this up in the wake of what happened on, on Piper's Pit. Wait, uh, what happened? Did he steal his pogs? <laughs> <laughs> he probably did that backstage. Not cool, Andre. <laughs> These are my pogs. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he turned on Hulk Hogan and um, uh, uh, knocked him around kind of uh, heinously on Piper's Pit. Um, and I remember, uh, he, he ripped Hulk Hogan had this little gold necklace, like a gold cross. I I thought you were going to say he ripped his shirt and Hulk Hogan was (laughs) like, he did that too. What? (laughs) It's my favorite shirt. Why would you do that? (laughs) Only Andre would know that that was his favorite shirt. That's how close they were. Um, yeah, he, uh, he like tore the, the gold necklace off of, uh, Hulk Hogan's chest. And I think he like actually cut him. Uh, like his fingernails oh, or something. Possibly. If I remember correctly, yeah, he like he like left a little uh, cut on Hogan's chest, and they like made a huge deal about that, the fact that he had drawn he blood from blood. Hulk Hogan. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I was seven years old, I think, when WrestleMania three happened. And uh, I, I spent that whole weekend like on pins and needles, unsure of what was going to happen <laughs> um, come WrestleMania. And I was not able to watch it. But I think, if I remember correctly, this was the first one that had a 900 number that you could call in uh, for the results. It was either this one or the fourth one. That might have been the next one because the next one there was the, the championship was vacant. So they had this big uh, 16-man tournament to, uh, to decide the winner of that. So I think that was the one. With the 900 number. Vince McMahon knows how to make money. Yes, like, he, does. he does. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so if you were not able to watch it, uh, you could still give him your money yeah. and, and be one of the first to know what happened. Um, and I, I definitely recall doing that for uh, the fourth one. Um, <laughs> and uh, I remember, I, I think, so in the 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 storyline leading into the fourth one was after a rematch with Hulk and Andre, um, Andre had won due to some shenanigans involving twin referees. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I wish drew were here because he loves this stuff. Like he loves hearing about the twin referee type thing. Um, and Andre gave the title or sold it to the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Um, which then President Jack Tooney, I believe, said was uh, unacceptable. He invalidated that exchange and vacated the championship, uh, necessitating a tournament at uh, at WrestleMania Four. And right. that one was the first one at uh, the Trump property uh, in Atlantic City, I think. Yep. Yeah, Trump Plaza, but. I found this out uh, in researching. Um, <laughs> maybe this is also a, a recurring theme. Uh, it was claimed to take place at Trump Plaza, but didn't. No. It took place next door, right? At the Atlantic City Convention Hall. <laughs> Crazy. Yes. Uh, see here. I had a, a note on here. Oh, oh, the, another uh, uh, thing I found out about WrestleMania three that match with Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Wait, who won that? So Hulk Hogan won. Hogan. And who were you guys rooting for? Oh, absolutely Hulk Hogan. Everybody was rooting for Hogan on that one. But Andre the Giant drank 14 bottles of wine before that match. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so retrospectively, I root for Andre <laughs> at all times. Oh, yeah. And that was that match happened either during or right after he was filming The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. That was that same time period. Yeah, that would have coincided. Yeah, apparently he was in just excruciating pain at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, so he was taking a lot of medication, and they weren't even sure that he was going to be able to do it. Uh, and they had... Well, and the alcohol helped, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I read that uh, Paul Orndorff, Mr. Wonderful, uh, from the WrestleMania 1 main event, was on hand at uh, WrestleMania 3 to be a backup in case Andre couldn't perform in the match because it was, it was, uh, um, uncertain even up to the day, whether or not he would be able to do it, but he did. And it was a, it was not a, a, an exciting match in the way that I think most people would expect from a WrestleMania main event today, but because of all the buildup and yeah, 
Um, and the fact that I was seven years old. It, it, <laughs> yeah. That's right. probably. Well, that's that iconic picture. Just the right as the bell wings, the two kind of stare each other down. And even to this day, when people think about WrestleMania, that's the moment they think of just these two gigantic Titans kind of staring each other. Yeah. down. Yeah. And like former friends, it was, it was kind of the first time I think they played that angle where two people who had been formally aligned were now facing off against each other, you know, at the, in the, the greatest, uh, most serious venue possible. Um, so that certainly heightened the drama, but, uh, the, the match that I remember even that day or even, even in the wake of it thinking might have stolen the show on WrestleMania three was, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage, versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the Intercontinental yep. Championship, which, like, that was another long storyline. I think going back to the previous summer... Um, Wait, that guy's last name is Steamboat? Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have two nicknames, or is that his actual last name? That is his last name, or at least his stage name. I don't yeah. know what his actual last name is. But, um, but that match, I think, was... Probably, I would say my favorite match of that entire era, like leading up and up to probably the Ultimate Warrior Hulk Hogan match. I would say that the uh, Randy Macho Man Savage Ricky Steamboat uh, WrestleMania three match is probably my favorite of the early uh, WrestleMania matches. And apparently, um, at that time, a lot of the um, individual in ring um, decisions were. Uh, being made largely by the two competitors in the ring at the time. Like they sort of knew the outcome and they would work their way toward the outcome, but they would kind of make it up as they went along. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. But apparently uh, Macho Man was such a stickler for the details and the spots Mm -hmm. that he He, actually was a beef stickler. Thank you. Good night. That's good. Yeah. That will be the uh, iTunes uh, (laughs) teaser for this episode uh, for sure. (laughs) Um, He actually faxed a a script of the match to Ricky, the dragon steamboat in advance of their meeting at WrestleMania. And I guess it was the first time. I don't know if it was the first time he did that. If Randy Savage, but uh, I'm told that it was the first time that Ricky, the dragon steamboat had ever seen anything like that. A fax. (laughs) <laughs> this <Possibly>. is amazing. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, that match is awesome. Um, and you're not alone in that opinion. That still comes up as as one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. Yeah, uh, deservedly. That had all the drama um, mm-hmm. going forward of the era, and uh, they were both like outstanding in their uh, execution. And it was like the it was a big deal. I think that was when. Uh, Ricky Steamboat finally won the Intercontinental Championship after right. kind of being robbed by uh, Savage previously. Um, so WrestleMania Four is the first one at Trump uh, Tower or Trump Plaza, not actually at Trump Plaza. <laughs> um, and then they went back there for WrestleMania Five. Did they pretend that they were at Trump I think Plaza? So. Again? I believe it was in the same place. It was the Atlantic City Convention Center again. Four and five were both in Atlantic City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one, I, I I believe I'm with you. I believe that is the first one that I was able to watch as it happened on pay-per-view. 
that one, I remember there being a lot of buildup to that one too, um, with uh, the mega powers exploding. Um, at the end of WrestleMania four, at the end of the tournament, uh, Randy Savage, user of fax machines, <laughs> was finally <laughs> rewarded <laughs> for all of his um, uh, efforts by getting the championship. He won the title at the end of the tournament, um, but wasn't originally scripted to, I guess. Um, apparently, um, oh. Ted DiBiase was supposed to win it. And um, I think the, the circumstances are a little unclear about why that changed. Um, but a lot of people point to the Honky Tonk Man, who uh, was an Elvis impersonator hmm. uh, wrestler, mm-hmm. um, who at the time <laughs> had the Intercontinental Championship and did not want to drop it. Um, as was requested of him. And so the the layout of the matches, the tournament brackets, had to be changed. Um, and as a result of that, they had to kind of flip the the ending of it. Um, and I think they part of it was because they didn't want... Ted DiBiase was a, a heel at the time, and they didn't want to have the Intercontinental Championship and the uh, World Heavyweight Championship both be with heels. So they... Uh, oh, boosted okay. Macho Man up to main event status and made him the champion. But um, it was a short-lived legacy for him because he met Hulk Hogan. And this is another pattern um, that repeats uh, seemingly endlessly throughout the early 90s of Hulk Hogan sort of stepping back and saying like, okay, I'm done being the lead guy. Let's give a, somebody else a chance. And then uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, later whispering in Vince McMahon's ear or Vince McMahon deciding that, no, it's not working and we need to put Hogan, Hulk Hogan back in the top seat. So at WrestleMania five, Hulk Hogan wins the championship from Macho Man. And, uh, that pattern I think repeats three or four more times over the course of, of them WrestleManias beating each other. Well, not or... just, not just, uh, Macho <laughs> Man and Hulk Hogan, but this pattern of Hulk Hogan, um, Taking it from losing the championship or, you know, passing the torch to another wrestler. Right. And then a year later, taking it back. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But the interesting thing I found out in researching this, uh, apparently Macho Man as champion was outselling Hulk Hogan's events at the time. Um, Like they started um, in the immediate wake of WrestleMania four when he won the championship uh, the house shows started going through the roof on sales. People really responded to him um, as a as a champion, and they rewarded him by taking the championship away from him and yeah. <laughs> pushing him back down to. Well, that's uh, that's good drama, though. So yeah, yeah, yeah I suppose. I mean, it kept me watching yep. um, at least for the next few years. So um, I have been to one WWF event, and it. All I know about it was it was in Greenville, South Carolina, and Sting was there. And Sting was like, you're looking at like you don't know who Sting is. No, I know who Sting okay. is, but he's never been affiliated. Well, until recently, he wasn't affiliated with the... Yeah, only the last few with years. What? With uh, WWF. With WWE. So you went to a WCW event. Oh, really? Early yeah. On. Yes. I've been lied to all my life. <laughs> no, I didn't know WCW existed that far back. Um how far back did they go? It may have been NWA at the time. I think that was kind of no, what eventually became been. WCW. This, this is like the 80s. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, really? That would have been right, yeah. Okay, I didn't know I think know. WCW was formed in like 92 or 93. Around there. Yeah. Um, but it was it was that same uh, regional circuit thing. NWA was kind of that uh, southeastern um, okay. uh, area. Um, and it was based in Atlanta. I think it was based right. in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. That was a Ted Turner special. Yes, yeah. All right. Um, we'll save that for the WC. Wait, which one was it? NWA, <laughs> NWA yeah, slash WCW episode. There yeah. we go. Well, it actually Next comes time into on play. The archive Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it 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 kind of comes into play around that point anyway, because this like eighty seven, eighty eight, maybe a little bit later, maybe eighty nine is is around the time that Ted Turner starts getting involved with then NWA and WCW, eventually mm-hmm. becoming WCW. And he and Vince McMahon uh, do not get along. Um, and it, partially because he's uh, acting in opposition to Vince McMahon's idea of, you know, one federation for the entire United States. Um, but uh, they played dirty starting around WrestleMania five, I believe with uh, Ted Turner now, or maybe it wasn't Ted Turner at that point, but there was definitely opposition from NWA at the time, um, hosting competing events on the same day as WrestleMania um, to try to undercut mm-hmm. what Vince was doing, at least financially, by like, um, they know that they've got this kind of southeastern mid-Atlantic region locked in, so if they have an event they know that it's going to pull down WrestleMania's numbers. Um, and I think they actually introduced a, a new event just for the sole purpose of doing that. I don't think it was Starcade. It was like Clash of Champions or something like that. Might have been. I mean, that Starcade 85 was uh, their first one. That was WrestleMania 1, so I don't think that was it. Uh, so it's, and it's been around in there. So Clash of Champions sounds about right for about the 89 time frame. Yeah. Um so that kind of goes back and forth, not just around WrestleMania, but just in the competing companies. They're they're trying to one up each other or undercut their efforts, and in some cases, they start uh, pilfering talent um, around sure. this time. Um, and that's like the that conversation could go way deep, so we probably don't need to get too much into it. But I think it does <laughs> play a factor in what happens to WrestleMania in general after that. Um, I guess with the exception of WrestleMania six, which was, I think kind of the high point of that era before it started going down, um, which was the one where Hulk Hogan faced the ultimate warrior. Oh, and that was the first time it had been two, uh, faces, um, squaring off against each other in the main event. They were both, Um, they were both good guys. Okay. Um, and I don't remember, uh, I, I kind of feel like Hulk Hogan's momentum was kind of waning around that point and they maybe seized upon it and that's why they had this. Hey, well, hold on. Hulk Hogan's momentum has not waned yet. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was less his momentum waning and just the ultimate warriors momentum kind of just skyrocketed at that point. Yeah. Uh He was uh, super popular among my group of friends, like even more popular than Hulk Hogan had ever been. 
Um, and maybe it's just because we were really into it at that point. But I remember individually being very into Hulk Hogan, but collectively everybody loved the ultimate warrior. Oh yeah. He was what they wanted Hulk Hogan to be, but everything was turned up to 11. Yeah. Yeah. But Hulk Hogan shouldn't have picked his like surname to be a pretty good warrior. Cause <laughs> <laughs> it just set himself up to lose against the ultimate warrior, you know? That's not a surname. You know what I mean. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a story for <laughs> Um Yeah. Did you watch that one uh, live, Mike? I did not. Oh, okay. I didn't watch another WrestleMania live again until nine, which was the outdoor one at Caesars Palace. Oh, in yeah. Las yeah. Vegas. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I loved the ending of WrestleMania six and, and really from, from there, I, I couldn't imagine them going anywhere else higher than that moment. So ultimate warrior did one. He did. Okay. He did. Um, and, uh, thus began the practice of, uh, having a new person take over the championship and change the leather backing on the championship belt to a different color. Um, I think he started it with the Intercontinental Championship. Traditionally, at, at this point, the belts had been for many years just like a black leather mm-hmm. with gold plating on it. And then starting with the Intercontinental Championship, the Ultimate Warrior started um, switching it out to like bright neon yellow or white. <laughs> um, and I remember like that was like one of the first things I thought of when Ultimate Warrior won the... Um, title from what's the Hulk new Hogan. i was like what make? color is it gonna be i was so excited <laughs> call in 1900 back of the <laughs> belt um but so from there on i think it it still has this rocky pattern where they're um they're taking the title away from hulk hogan and then eventually he gets it back and there was this whole it was uh wrestlemania 8 was the one with sergeant slaughter i think uh, seven. Seven. The next okay. year. Yeah. And that was supposed to be at the L.A. Coliseum. And then the uh, the Desert Storm, Storm happened then. This was 1991. So Desert Storm happened. And there was apparently rumors of some threat to the Coliseum. So they moved it almost last minute to the L.A. Memorial Sports Arena. So you go from a venue that's supposed to hold close to 100,000 people, if not more, down to this tiny little... 16,000 seat arena. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I'd heard that, that the, the, there's rumors that like the, the security threat may have been either inflated or just outright false, that it was just sort of based oh, on the yeah. ticket sales and um, yeah, but it uh, that was the one where uh, Sergeant Slaughter, a long time, um, uh, G.I. Joe. Joe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Bumper That's how guy. I knew Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew him as a wrestler prior to him joining the, um, I forget what their name was, but he and the Iron Sheik had their, um, uh, yeah. their Iraqi alliance. No, I knew Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe, and then he showed up once on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Because Captain <laughs> Lou was there. With Lou. With Al- Captain Lou Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, which so my he, kids he... just watched because Super Mario Brothers is now on Netflix, and my kids like, look, it's Mario. Can we watch it? Yeah, all right, have fun. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever seen that movie. Wait, the movie or the show? The show. Oh, the show. Oh, yeah, the show. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I, oh. I definitely watched the show. John, but. I am counting down the days until we can do the movie for a retro spectacular. <laughs> I, it's ninety oh. three, I think. I think I might still have it on DVD. I'm not sure if it came down to Florida with me ten years ago, but I at one point owned it on DVD to do like a little. I'm gonna review this on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter was, I guess, uh, a a passionate choice for a villain at the time. Uh, it was uh, one of maybe Vince's less uh, tactful uh, attempts at tying into the what was actually going on in the real world at the time by having Sergeant Slaughter um, align himself with the Iraqi uh, regime. <laughs> and uh, he donned these like military, desert military fatigues and... Uh, or a uniform officer uniform and uh, started talking about how Americans were pukes and uh, <laughs> oh, man. insulting uh, like kids would be next to the ring. They'd be at ringside with like American flags and he would come over and like mess with their American flag. <laughs> it was really dumb, but um, it, uh, but it, worked. it worked. Yeah. I think it, it, you felt like when Hulk Hogan faced off against Sergeant Slaughter that the entire um, the integrity of the union was at stake. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then WrestleMania eight was Sid Justice, I think. Sid Justice, yeah. And Hulk Hogan. That stemmed from the Royal Rumble when uh, Hogan kind of prevented Sid Justice from winning the Royal Rumble and, and Ric Flair, who had just come over from the NWA, won the big championship at the Royal Rumble. Okay, yeah. So Flair defended the championship against Randy Savage, and then you have this kind of Hulk Hogan Sid Justice grudge match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and that was, is that the one where the Ultimate Warrior makes a surprise return at the end? Yes. Yes. <laughs> That was like the saving grace of that one. Um, right. And I remember being, uh, talking with friends the day of that event and even like sort of speculating that like the, the, the best way for that show to end would be for the ultimate warrior to come back somehow and for it to actually happen. Um, I, I mean, I don't know that my heart has, uh, palpated that quickly and, <laughs> and s- seriously since that moment. <laughs> That's how big of a deal it was. Um, and I don't really remember much from WrestleMania 9, but I do remember it being the outdoor one. Um, that was the outdoor one. Um, they had never held it outdoors in, until this one. Uh, and it was basically a parking lot, the parking lot of the Caesars Palace that they set up. Um, and then the, the headlining for that, Hulk Hogan was in a tag team at this point with his buddy Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And they had lost that tag team match. And the main event was uh, Bret Hart was the champion at this point. And he was defending against the sumo wrestler Yokozuna, <laughs> who cheated and won and then immediately decided to challenge anyone who would come. Or Hulk Hogan had apparently come to assist Bret Hart because they, they used that green mist in Bret's eyes or whatever. No, or it was a chloroform rag or salt or something <laughs> and hulk hogan came down to help out his buddy brett and he was ringside yokozuna's sitting there and he has his manager because they uh he was supposed to be 
from Japan and not speak English. So his manager, Mr. Fuji, a longtime uh, former tag team wrestler, was his manager and challenged Hulk Hogan, come step in the ring with my champion. And so he did it and and then won it in like three minutes. Yeah. So that's not a favorite. That was uh, ridiculous. controversial, too, as I recall, because um, uh, that was the one where Hogan showed up with a black eye and uh yes and and there's like some there's a lot of controversy about how he got it i think it was like a jet ski accident was the official line um right. but <laughs> because i think around this time he was filming thunder in paradise so uh, oh yeah it sort of made sense that you know he was on a jet ski all the time yeah right. uh but then i've read that it was actually randy savage punched him because of something involving uh, Elizabeth, uh, Randy Savage's then ex-wife, and a longtime uh, uh, sweetheart of WWE, WWF fans of that age, um, that somehow she was dating somebody, one of Hulk Hogan's friends or something, and he didn't tell Randy Savage about it, so Randy Savage decked him the day before uh, WrestleMania, and so he showed up with this crazy shiner now on his face i feel like <clears throat> 10 years later that would have been worked into the story and they would have used that yes yeah yeah i'm a little surprised they didn't they went with a jet ski accident <laughs> <laughs> right up the road in the seven seas lagoon <laughs> uh yeah and like around that point is where my familiarity like kind of drops and i don't really know Wait, let's let's pull a Drew and be like, and then my notes stop and end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, let um, were there any? Do you remember any highlights from those like kind of mid nineties WrestleManias? WrestleMania ten was a pretty big one, not only because it was number ten, but you had uh, Yokozuna had held the championship; he had gotten it back from Hulk Hogan before this next WrestleMania, and so the Royal Rumble that year had dual winners that were eliminated they eliminated each other at the same time and they just called it a tie between bret hart and lex luger who was kind of at that point he had this all-american character to him with the tights and he, he rode around he did like a nationwide tour on this bus called the lex express <laughs> so what they did was they had a coin toss so then lex luger um fought yokozuna first and then the winner of that match would uh like Bret Hart at the end. Wait, Lex and then Luger Brett was also yes. wrestling his brother Owen at the time. They had a feud. So oh yes, yes. He had two matches. Yokozuna had two matches. And then in the middle of all that, there was this really excellent ladder match in the middle between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, who was a who was a Scarface ripoff. Basically, that was his character. <laughs> Okay, yeah. So a ladder match is you have, you suspend something, in this case, the Intercontinental Championship uh, from the ceiling on a cable, and then you would use a ladder to climb up and try and get it off this cable. Uh, you can also use the ladder as a weapon, which frequently happened. So people <laughs> oh, yeah. swinging ladders at each other to knock them out and then go up and get that championship. Uh, that that ladder match was really good. That was the first one at a WrestleMania. Um, I remember WrestleMania 11 being a dump. 
<laughs> it was at like the Hartford Civic Center in Connecticut, and the the main event was Bam Bam Bigelow versus uh, Lawrence Taylor, a football fan. <laughs> As they tried to keep that celebrity thing going, but after that, this is when it kind of dipped down. Uh, WrestleMania 12 had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels again. This was their hour-long Iron Man match oh, that yeah. Shawn Michaels eventually won. And then there were a few years where kind of the rise of Steve Austin was happening at that point. That didn't peak until... Um, well, it peaked at... at 17 but it, you'd started to see it uh steve austin won the championship at 15 and then 16 was in 2000 you had the rise of stone cold and the rock and triple h and mick foley so this was that this this was the attitude area yeah era. um stone cold kind of ushered that in right he was the peak which many agree is wrestlemania 17 or as they called it wrestlemania x7 because <laughs> Up until this point, they were using Roman numerals like football. And then when they got the 16, that was in 2000. So they had to call it WrestleMania 2000 like everything was. And so they decided, all right, now let's keep half of a Roman numeral and then a seven at the end. (laughs) And that was dumb. And it was in that like that scrawled pen font. Oh, yeah, yeah. To make it all grungy and new metal. Hardcore. Yeah. And so the main event of that was The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, for the second time. And then WrestleMania 18, you had uh, Hulk Hogan return at that point. That was after Hulk Hogan had gone to WCW in the mid-90s. And then right around 2001, 2002, WWF bought WCW. Right. Bought out the competition. And so they kind of merged everyone together into one big roster. So you had Hulk Hogan return and he faced the Rocket at 18. Okay. WrestleMania 2000, I distinctly remember because that was, I believe, the first one um, that they did an all day uh, broadcast leading up to it. Or not, maybe not all day, but they. The event starts at like six o'clock in the evening and they started broadcasting WrestleMania 2000 at like 10 in the morning or noon or something like that. And they had like an eight hour pregame broadcast showing like, you know, uh, background matches and interviews with superstars and stuff. And I remember my group of friends that was watching uh, wrestling at the time, we decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to order WrestleMania and we're going to get the whole thing and we're going to watch the whole thing. We're just going to spend the whole day doing it. And I will absolutely never, ever, ever do anything like that <laughs> again. And for no other reason than just the physical toll of sitting on a couch for 12 hours yeah. straight. Like by the time the actual WrestleMania event came like, around, nobody cared. Watched it all day for the long haul. I mean, it had an audience, especially back then. Though This was when you could start to... That might have been the year you could actually start to watch it online if you had a good enough internet connection. It was either that one or a few years later. The first one I watched online was 20, and that was 2004. So when uh, when was the first WrestleMania that you attended, Mike? That was WrestleMania 24. That was in 2008. 
And up until then, most of the WrestleMania events would be in kind of smaller venues, like basketball hockey arenas, Madison Square Garden, Rosemont Horizon. Every once in a while, they'd get one big one like the Silver Dome. They had one in the Sky Dome one year. But the year before I attended was the first year that they kind of went into a big stadium and never looked back. So WrestleMania 23 was uh, at Ford Field in Detroit. And then they brought it down to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando. And then ever since, they've only done it at these big stadium events. And I think that kind of changed the game right there. It just elevated it even more than it already was. Because you had that big crowd. And, and that they hadn't really been able to recapture since that WrestleMania 3 where you had... Well, that one was funny because the Pontiac Silverdome was so big, you actually had the people riding out in these carts. Yes. Uh, to the ring. And the, the ring carts cart. had little ring ropes around them, too. <laughs> I loved the ring it, cart so much. I desperately wanted a ring cart like that. I know. I want a ring cart, and I want that uh, motorized chair that the dad from Roundhouse had. <laughs> What about like a but demolition derby with the two? They don't do the, the cart two. thing anymore. Now they just have a really big, one big giant ramp. And now they have the, the LED lights all over it. So you can put like names and graphics as you're walking underneath. That's what they have now. Uh, and they kind of build their own sets in these stadiums now. And they have a big, they have enough space where they can do that. So my first one was 2008. It was my first year in Florida. And a bunch of my friends were coming down for it. So I decided, all right, well, this this seems like... I had not watched wrestling for about four or five years. So I, I hadn't been caught up. But it was a good time. And we made a weekend out of it. That was the one uh, where you had Floyd Mayweather against the Big Show in kind of a no-holds-bar match. Whoa. That uh, that Mayweather won with, with brass knuckles as the assist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you recall, um, did you have like expectations going into it um, and were those met or was there any, like, were you surprised at all? By they anything? were met. I don't think I was surprised. Um, the group I went with are kind of these wrestling fans who have been in it since they were kids like me, but they had never really stopped. So these were the tape trading crowd. That I was with. So they kind of brought me up to speed with everything. Um, what surprised me was that at this point in the game, they had stretched out WrestleMania to this week-long event of things, and we went to a few of them. Um, they had booked the House of Blues in downtown Disney, and we went over there, and they had this video game tournament with the, the wrestling game of that year, like 2K or WWE SmackDown versus Raw. 2008 and they would have a bunch of the, the wrestlers actually in a tournament with each well, other that's cool. awesome. so you could watch that you could there were meet and greets they call it wrestlemania week access um and the, that brings the fan element back into it so it's not just the day you go to the stadium and you watch a show you can actually go throughout the week and and meet all of these people yeah it's kind of like uh like a fan convention for wrestling Pretty much. And a lot of the other smaller um, wrestling companies will also schedule their 
kind of big events in that same city. They can't promote it as a WrestleMania thing, but it's adjacent to it and next to it. So people who are really into these indie promotions can also go to those shows on Friday or Saturday yeah, and see some other same thing happens with that like they South wouldn't by otherwise see at the bigger event. Uh, I was just going to say, like, the same thing happens with, like, music festivals and stuff where, like, they have oh, a yeah. million little band things going on around South by Southwest. And so if, even if you don't get a ticket to that, you can go see if you're there, other you things. Can... Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Do you have a favorite moment from uh, the WrestleManias that you've attended? The one that I think is the funniest happened last year. The The main event that ended it. Uh, was The Undertaker, who surprisingly was still around, um, against Roman Reigns, who's kind of the big up-and-comer now. They're trying to make him the next John Cena. And in that was the last match, and I fell asleep during it. <laughs> <laughs> so it was that exciting. That's fantastic. Um, my favorite match out of the ones I've seen live is was a ladder match and the they called it the money in the bank ladder match where dangling instead of a championship it was a briefcase that gave you a guaranteed title shot whenever you wanted to cash in that contract so it can be in the middle of another match usually people will use it after the reigning champion kind of gets beat up whether it's after a match that they won or it's just inconsequentially happen to get you know beat over the head or something and knocked out and oh I'm going to cash in my money in the bank contract now and cuz you're <laughs> unconscious and quick win. So this one they usually have six or seven people trying to climb up these ladders and hitting people with other ladders and doing all these crazy stunts off of them to get this contract and we mentioned CM Punk earlier this is the first one that he won and then he had won his first world championship with the company a few months after that. So it was kind of cool to see kind of the, the first rise of CM Punk to a main event star right there. Yeah, you were there and for none like none of the my lunch. other friends who were kind of wise to the business thought he was going to win, which was nice. So it was kind of a happy surprise for everybody. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. Well, I, I cannot uh, conclude this um, uh, episode. This is we'll call this the go home episode before WrestleMania 34, <laughs> um, what are you? You can you can give me predictions, you can give me expectations, or you can just say what you're like looking forward to most out of WrestleMania 34. I am looking forward to the return of Daniel Bryan, who had retired a few years ago um, due to a concussion, and this guy's our age. He, he, um. So he retired a few years ago because he'd gotten too many bad concussions and they wouldn't, they said, we can't clear you to compete anymore. Um, but then over the last few years, he had tried to get himself cleared again and tried, you know, seeing doctor after doctor after doctor until just the last few weeks, it was announced that whatever hoop he had to go through to get cleared to compete again. He just did. So that was a big surprise for everybody. He's going to be in a tag team match with Vince McMahon's son, Shane, uh, versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, who are kind of newer to the company, but they've been kind of 
competing in indie circuits for years and years and years. I actually saw them the weekend at WrestleMania 24 at oh, wow. another show that my friends and I all went to when they were in a company called Ring of Honor. So that was one of those sideshows, and they were working there then. So now, 10 years later, they're in one of the bigger events at WrestleMania. Yeah, that's awesome. I, and the the story of Daniel Bryan, I think, is especially appealing. It, it's kind of like the next level of that CM Punk um, situation where you can, like, you feel like you can kind of personally relate to the guy, like, as an individual. So you're you're a little bit more emotionally invested in his, um, in what happens to him. And it was kind of like a tragic circumstance. They had this huge buildup, um, leading to the WrestleMania that he finally headlined and he won the championship. And then Mm -hmm. it was like a month later or something. He, uh, was taken out. Yeah. Got hurt. So he finally gets the momentum and, and reaches the pinnacle and then it, you know, gets pulled out from under him medically you know um yeah that's cool so do you think um i i i understand this is sort of this situation is evolving minute by minute but the rumor the big rumor that i heard uh (laughs) leading into this wrestlemania is that the undertaker is returning or would be returning or might be returning to take on john cena and john cena issued a challenge and as i understand it it has not been answered yet how old is he the Undertaker or yeah. John Cena? The Undertaker. <laughs> He's in his mid-50s. How old is he? He is in his mid-50s. Okay. Mid-50s. That's younger than I would have guessed. So, and he had, like, wrestled something like, this will be, I think it's 25th WrestleMania. And for the longest time, the Undertaker's um, thing with WrestleMania was that he was undefeated for 21 years. And then on WrestleMania 30, he lost to Brock Lesnar. And then he's had a few matches still then. And then last year, he lost again to this Roman Reigns guy that they're trying to build up. And they've been trying to build up for the last few years (laughs) unsuccessfully. Yeah, Um, Does anybody like Roman Reigns? They had him take out The Undertaker. And then last year, The Undertaker kind of ended the show, the whole of WrestleMania, by leaving his hat and his trademark uh, gravedigger cloak in the middle of the ring and kind of without actually saying it saying i'm i'm done here but now the storyline with john cena is john cena and the undertaker have never met at wrestlemania john cena had lost every opportunity to get into this wrestlemania he had lost all of his chances to be in a match so as a last resort he's saying i'm going to call out the undertaker i want to be at wrestlemania so that's his kind of last resort gimmick. And so week after week, Undertaker's just been a no-show. Kind of saying, you know, I'm I'm out of the picture now. Get on with your life. And the joke I had made was that I hope they have another battle royal at WrestleMania. That is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. So I said, I hope what happens is Undertaker or John Cena calls out the Undertaker lightning strikes and it hits the ring and then uprises this Andre the Giant trophy with a giant post-it note on it that says go away (laughs) (laughs) so it's probably going to happen I don't want it to but it'll be interesting to see yeah I guess is this maybe the first time that the that the the final card for Wrestlemania has been sort of up in the air 
uh, with, you know, no more televised stuff leading up to it where, you know, the, the main event or one of the main events is presumed to take place, but not officially on the card. This might be the biggest one. You've seen smaller ones that are like that. Uh, and you'll see things just like, I have a mystery partner, or right. not every participant has been announced for this match. And they that's kind of been a running theme for every WrestleMania, but on smaller matches. This is probably the biggest one where it's not official and they haven't been able to promote it. Yeah. Besides what you see on TV. Yeah, I'm a little confused about the logistics here, where it's like John Cena lost every chance he got. But then he challenged somebody who was like not even in it, and it's like if the if the Cubs are not, you know, they're out of the World Series, and then they they come in and they're like, you know what? Come on, Yankees, I'm taking you down. Then all of a sudden they're back in. Is that how that works? I guess it does. Pretty much. Like... That's John Cena. You just described how John Cena works. All right. I well, mean, as I say that, I also realize that I don't know baseball well enough to know if that's a thing in baseball. So, <laughs> I wish. Yeah, that would make it a lot, uh, a lot more interesting. Yeah, come World Series time. I mean, baseball on its own is very one-on-one. It's like a pitcher versus a batter, so you don't see those kind of. You don't see a lot of attitudes like yeah. you see in basketball, so you don't see those grudge rivalries because it's such a one-on-one sport. That's but true. That yeah. would kind of elevate it to a whole new level. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you so much for um, joining us from uh, live uh, via closed circuit television from Orlando, <laughs> which I assume is very close to parts unknown. Um, uh, we appreciate you uh, being here. I do and live I, in the dead I hope that um, your prediction for WrestleMania uh, is correct oh you you didn't ask me what my prediction was oh what is your prediction Nick? uh my prediction is that chelsea is going to beat you and (laughs) become the two-time world champion of the dedicate household (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) i kind of hope that too yeah uh (laughs) mike do you have anything to plug uh, I just put out a new episode of my podcast, The Advent Calendar House. You can find that at adventcalendar.house. We're talking about the first Easter rabbit featuring an ice wizard named Zero, played by Paul Freeze. There you go, Nick. Hey. Hey. That is my favorite episode your... of your podcast. Do you know why? Because <laughs> I name dropped you in the episode. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I got that Paul Freeze joke in there just for you. <laughs> I also recently appeared on another show called Casting Off, and that covers nautical and island movies, and we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. So that came out this last week, and that's it. Excellent. We will we will definitely show note both of those. Uh, I would like to plug the Union Preschool Trivia Night on April 13th. Um, Mike, you strike me as a trivia master so uh if you can make it uh your spot's covered <laughs> free beer can i call in via skype all right <laughs> that yeah. sounds perfect yeah <laughs> all right awesome all right uh well i think it's time to jump into the uh ring cart and uh travel slowly down the aisle <laughs> into the archive <laughs> 
next week on the archive. Pizza, Pizza night! night. Your turn, Nick. Night. What? <laughs>